On this week's show, we're going to talk about Comfort Advisor Social Styles, Part 2. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started with today's content, I want to share a quick message from one of our Epic 2020 presenters. Epic 2020 is going to be a fantastic event, so be sure you get signed up ASAP because, as usual, it's going to sell out. Go to epic2020event.com and get registered now. I'm James Leichter. I'm a founding faculty member of EGIA Contractor University, and I am super excited to announce an all-new seminar of mine at Epic 2020. The title of my seminar is Hire Technician Sales, a Diagnostic Approach. When you go to a doctor and the doctor suggests a blood test, an MRI, and you end up spending a bunch of money, but you never feel like you were sold anything. The doctor never feels like they sold you anything. It's all about professionalism, and the same is true with technicians. That's why I believe we should concentrate on improving the overall professionalism of a service technician. We should teach them high-level diagnostic techniques so they have the competence to suggest things that they would have otherwise never suggested. That way, they perform better without ever feeling like they're selling anybody anything. And customers are spending more money without feeling like they are being sold anything. We will be discussing many of the necessary tools and high-level diagnostic procedures necessary to really supercharge your service department's profitability. This is a game changer for your technicians. I think we're all going to have some fun. We're going to learn a lot. And I hope to see you there October 1st. Now this week, we're going to continue where we left off last week regarding Comfort Advisor social styles and how to sell to different types of people. Let's join Gary again and wrap up the conversation. This person down here, which is me, we clearly want to build a relationship with them. We want to establish trust. We want to take risk away from the expressive, meaning that for me to purchase from you, you associating no risk, no risk guarantees, customer trust guarantees, reinforcing those concepts for me are going to be more important. The amiable is all about the feeling and affection. They're going to gauge you on whether or not they trust you or not. And so they're not very good at making decisions. Conflict for them is bothersome, meaning that if there's two options, they have a problem deciding which of the options might be best. Both of those options look good to me. And that creates conflict. So amiables do not like conflict. So we don't want to give amiables options. Here, this person's making the decision. Here, options are good. Here, options are bad. And the analytical, again, options are going to be fine from the standpoint of detailing it. But they're going to want a lot of information, a lot of facts, a lot of details. And they can go into information gridlock. So you want to be very careful about giving too many options to an analytical. So all four of those so, uh, social styles have differences in how we might want to sell to them. And that's the point, is that the presentation system that you build has to accomplish the ability to serve all four of those styles. So let's just go forward 
and have a little more dialogue. So when you start looking specifically at the social style of an analytical, one of the things that we can say is they're controlled, meaning that they're reserved. They, they, have, they love the idea of orderliness. So a project plan of how we're going to do things. I just showed you in the presentation system, we have a detailed specification. We literally have a list of this is what you should expect from us when we actually do the work. This is, what, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to flow. This is the order. They're also very precise, meaning that they're going to look at details differently than somebody like me as an expressive. I'm not that interested in the level of detail. I might be interested if something goes wrong, I might check into it then. But at the beginning, the level of detail isn't going to be that interesting to me. So, but it is interesting to the analytical. They're also quite disciplined, meaning that they tend to be the people that are going to get multiple bids. Uh, they're going to have that discussion. So we've heard Wally say in multiple occasions, three bids is not a problem. I mean, it's about, aren't you really going to trust me and create that development of trust? So we already know that that's going to happen. So in fact, one of the things we do to deal with that particular person is inside of this document, this is our customer assessment. We ask the question on page two, you know, are you going to get other bids? And if so, why? And then we make them list out what their interests are and why they're going to get other bids. We're anticipating the fact that they're going to get other bids. Why? Well, because analyticals are probably going to get other bids whether we want them to or not. So you're not going to change that outcome. What you can do is bend and flex your social style and realize that I'm going with the wave. I'm not going to worry about them getting other estimates. I'm going to encourage it, as a matter of fact, and I'm going to prove to them why I'm the better company. It's not a question of whether or not they're going to get three bids. I've been in a house selling to somebody that was an engineer, and he had 13 bids already before I got there, and he had them all lined out. And they were high price down to low price, all different pieces of equipment. He had Carrier, Bryant, Daikin. Everybody was on the list. And so literally he said, yeah, I mean, I've got, you know, lots of estimates. I need to collect another one, you know. So tell me what you can do and so forth, and then help me compare and contrast, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, legitimately, 13 estimates. Who has time for 13 estimates? And the answer is an analytical wants 13 estimates. He was in information gridlock as well. We got that job. That guy was an engineer. He uh, was a professor at Ohio State. And we ended up basically doing the work. We had a couple of 90% efficient Bryant furnaces that we put in his house. And you know, back in that particular discussion, he had all kinds of details that he wanted to talk about that were against code, where other contractors had told him that they could do certain things, you know, positioning of where they were going to put the exhaust and the venting relative to windows, uh, the snow coat, et cetera. And they were all against code. And so he's like, well, yeah, but the other guy said that we're going to be able to do that. And we're like, well, you, you can, but it's against code. So if you ever sell your house, you're probably going to have to remediate that. And he said, well, what's the code? So we pulled out the code basically and said, well, here is, here's the code. This is what we're going to do. Our job is to put the equipment in and to manage the installation so that it's done correctly within the framework of compliance of code. And so he read the code and he went, you know what, I understand, I get it, you're the only one that's talked about that. And so that ended up being the detail that ended up making the analytical come on our team. So he also sold many jobs for us inside of the university where he talked to other people about us and about how thorough we were 
And so all of his engineer buddies and all of his people that were in that group who are similar, um, they were appreciative of the fact that that referral was there. So think about that in terms of the details. Uh, they also tend to be cautious. They tend to be systematic, logical, and what we would consider to be conventional. So if you think about this, I want you to recognize two things. So there is a task orientation that occurs here, and then there is a ask assertive orientation that comes here. So I, as an analytical, would be task oriented, and I would be ask assertive. Now, the driver on the other side is going to be what we call control responsive, meaning that they have to be in charge, similar to the analytical, but instead of being in charge based on tasks, they're in charge based on responses. They want immediate results, they want answers, they want speed, and they are absolutely tele-assertive, meaning that they will tell you everything you need to know. All you have to do is be patient enough to ask, listen, make sure that you get that check and confirm, you understand what's going on that we talked about in some of the other work. And so let's take a look at what makes a driver a driver. They are action-oriented. So a lot of people don't take action. Drivers, they do not have a problem taking action. They are decisive. When I say decisive, they get to a place once they have enough information that they make a decision. That's the point in time when you need to stop talking. The more you are talking at that point, the worse it's going to be with the driver. You're going to be creating an impatience for them. You're going to be creating frustration, conflict. They're not going to like it, and they're going to exhibit that in their uh, body language, their voice intonation, their eye contact. It's all going south if you continue to talk to a driver once they've made a decision. You have to pay attention to their body language. When they've made their choice, you need to move them on and close the transaction. You don't want to be telling them more and more and more. You know, comparisons, contrast, forget it, all right? I want to buy that car. I want to buy that air conditioning system. I, this is what I'm looking for. I'm good. You've sold me. Stop selling. Now, they're also very direct. Uh, they tend to be problem solvers, but they tend to be very direct about their communications. So they come right at you. They come forcefully at you. When I say forcefully, I don't mean physically forcefully. I mean forcefully in terms of tone, intonation, uh, body language, just the demeanor. Um, they tend to be a little bit leaning forward. They might have you know, sort of a negative scowl. Sometimes they've got that look. But what they are is they want to get to the result. They're not mad or angry at you. They treat everybody this way. They're just looking to get to the end. The ends justify the means. They're all about results. They tend to be very demanding and assertive. Uh, most cases, they tend to be people that, well, don't, don't tell me you know, what you're going to do. Just tell me you're going to do it. And so you know, I don't want to know about you know, when you're going to end up fixing the air conditioning. Just fix it. And so the service technicians in particular, when we run into drivers, um, oftentimes the service technicians do not appreciate the driver because the driver is, uh, can be pretty aggressive. And so as a, as a service provider, as somebody that's you know, basically out doing the work, serving the client, um, we tend to want to connect with the client. A lot of the service technicians that we have are what we would consider to be analyticals and amiables. In a lot of cases, they're just more relaxed. They're very thorough. They're very thoughtful people, which makes them great at being service technicians. But that that's kind of the opposite of the driver. So the driver doesn't feel good. The driver is sort of a punch in the nose, get it done, let's move forward. Don't tell me about what you're going to do, let's get to it. And so that whole assertiveness and demanding issue 
can grate on people. The important part about you as a comfort advisor recommending uh, problems or solutions to problems is that you need to understand that they want you to tell them exactly what you're going to do and when you're going to do it and how you're going to do it. And you can do that quickly once you've identified what the problems are with the driver and they're going to love you. So let me introduce this again. This is the customer questionnaire. And so how we introduce this in the home is precisely for the driver. So this is an example of what we're talking about as it relates to the driver. When we're discussing things and we're going through the purpose process payoff statement, literally when we are you know, at the kitchen table or we've made ourselves comfortable in a place, we literally take this out and say part of our process today is uh, we're going to want to know a little bit about what your home comfort needs are. If it's okay with you, I'd like to ask you a few questions before I do my home survey. So if you would take just a few minutes and complete this, this will speed up the process today. Those are the exact words we use in the script. If you would take just a few minutes and fill this out, this will speed up the process today. Speed up the process. If we go back and look at the slide, what we have is we have direct, assertive, demanding, risk taper, competitive, all this stuff, but at the end we're taking action. We want speed. Get me out of this sales process. That's what the driver is thinking. It's like, how long is this going to take? And the answer is, if you fill this out, take a couple of minutes, this will help speed up the process. Now, if you log on to the site on the EGIA site under Retail Sales Section 8, you will find under the forms, you will find the customer assessment. And one of the things that we do with the customer assessment is there's this beautiful little checklist in here that says, tell me about what benefits that you want. There are 23 benefits in here. No comfort advisor on the planet would ask all 23 of these questions. Won't happen. It's not likely to happen just based on time. And the driver isn't going to want you to ask 23 questions. However, it's only going to take about a minute or two for the driver to fill out what benefits they want, and then we make them prioritize the top five benefits. The beauty in that process is very simple. It is faster, and the driver will tell you I appreciate you getting me through this quickly. I, you know, in other words, when I'm in driver mode, and occasionally I am in driver mode, uh, and I'm in an action-oriented state, and I have more tasks to deal with than I have time, I don't want uh, somebody to pander to me, and I don't want people to waste my time. I want to get right to it. So by identifying the 23 benefits and making them choose the 23 benefits and then making them choose the top five priorities, what you've done is you've created a set of information to be able to get to the result quicker. You've got the opportunity to present the options to the driver and get right down to it and not have to work through a whole bunch of extra, uh, extraneous conversation or asking questions that aren't going to be relevant for the driver. So let's move forward. We also have the expressive. Obviously, that's something that I've already introduced. So for us, as an expressive, that's me. We're verbal. We tend to be uh, tele-assertive in the sense that we can communicate. Um, we also are what we consider to be motivating. Motivating in the sense that um, because we talk a lot and we use voice intonation and we use hands and gestures and body language, uh, we tend to create an environment where people get motivated by that. 
We also tend to be convincing, enthusiastic, uh, influential. We make for good salespeople. I mean, if you look at this list, charming, confident, dramatic, optimistic, animated, motivating, enthusiastic, what, what wouldn't you want that in terms of your sales personnel? So as a comfort advisor, chances are you fit into this quadrant. Most salespeople are good at communicating and they have those influencing traits that are described here. So the good news is if you sit in this quadrant right here, which is where I sit, you have some of those traits. The bad news is, is you got to talk to this person up here and none of those traits really match up. So as a note, if I'm sitting in a training event and I'm listening to Gary talk and I'm watching this video, you need to know that 50% of the people in the world, or in this case where we're selling to, we're going to get along with. The other 50% we're not going to get along with. And what I mean by that is this. So we'll just have this discussion. This person right here is an expressive expressive. So that means I get along with anybody here that's an expressive. That's my quadrant. Those are my people. Those are the enthusiastic people. Those are the people that are influential. We, we all like each other. Now, we might finish each other's sentences, but we all get along well with one another. Then you're going to get along with the driver expressive. You're going to get along with the analytical expressive. And you're going to get along with the amiable expressive. And there's your dots of who you're going to get along with. Well, unfortunately, there's some dots that don't exist, meaning that you're not getting along here. Let's change that up here just a little bit so we can make that a little easier to read. You're not getting along with this person, 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 or this person. There's a lot of X's going on there, 50%. Well, what that has to do with is your ability to flex. So as a comfort consultant, as a comfort advisor, or a selling technician, what you're going to need to do is recognize that these traits that are here are not necessarily going to be the traits that make trust and credibility and likability happen. So you're going to have to move faster for the driver. You're going to have to move slower for the analytical. And you don't like detail, and that person loves detail. So that's one of those issues where you're going to have to understand. The second thing I would have you write down is the ability to flex takes tremendous focus and energy. You can't just go into that process and say, well, I'm going to sit down and present a set of solutions on comparisons between an optimum system and perhaps a, a, a deluxe system. We'll call that a 21 CR2 stage and a 16 CR2 stage. What are the differences between the products? What are the differences between the warranties and guarantees? You're going to have to go slower. You're going to have to go to the place where the level of detail and asking and answering questions for the analytical are much slower paced. In fact, it may even be frustrating for you. But that's where the mental focus and the energy comes in to recognize that your job is to bend towards the client. So not only are you happy to be able to do the comparisons, I have actually taken the liberty, Mr. D Gary's dad, uh, my father's name is Martin, we'll just say Martin, I've taken the liberty of actually preparing some comparisons between those two products. If it would be OK with you, we can take a look at them. And then you can open up that section, which I will open up to right now. And you can genuinely sit down, and you can make that comparison happen. And so we will go right to that place right now where you actually have the ability to say, well, 
I can give you the comparisons, and here they are. Every one of these has a comparison, so it just depends on which ones you want to talk about. Which product are we comparing? And down the left-hand side are all the details of the products, the warranties, the guarantees, anything that you have in terms of the manufacturer guarantees and warranties. For example, uh, a man has a lifetime unit replacement on the compressor and the heat exchanger. That, if that's a product that you would carry, you would have that on your list. If they had a parts and labor warranty of 10 years, you would have that on their list. Lennox has a 12-year warranty on some of their systems. You would have that on their list. So each one of these has a comparison between the, the product that's next door to it. This is prepared for the analytical personality. Without this, you would be going blah, 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 blah. And that's going to be effective for the expressive and the amiable. It is not going to be effective for the analytical or the driver. So this is another direct example of where your presentation system has to accomplish the idea that an analytical wants more information and they're going to want some evidence and they're going to want that specification and you need to be able to support that. And if you can't, you're probably not going to get that transaction it, or it may go into a two-call process where you have to go back and you have to do some additional homework. Either way, that process is working against you. Now, the last quadrant that we need to talk about is the amiable quadrant. Patience. They are known for their patience. Loyalty, empathize, uh, the ability to empathize, what we call sympathy and empathy, both. Really, they're both of those things. They're able to take uh, a team approach. They tend to look at the unit. Uh, so you're a vendor. Uh, ABC Heating and Cooling is doing the potential work. Um, you're going to be part of that family at that point. That's how they see you. Um, my wife, you know, historically has uh, baked cookies for people that came in and did work on our house. And uh, she's made them lunch, and she's treated them like their family. That not only is that sympathetic and empathetic, but it's treating that person as somebody that's part of the team. Uh, did she have to do that? Of course not. Uh, but that's the nature of the amiable personality is I want them to feel comfortable. Feeling and affection are necessary. It makes the amiable feel better about that. So by them being inclusive, that's how that works. Also, the idea that they just tend to be more stable. They tend to be considerate. Uh, we already talked about the empathetic, persevering, trusting, and congenial. All of those are adjectives that represent an individual that is more relaxed, uh, tends to be accepting, doesn't tend to be adversarial. Um, again, ask assertive is part of that social style. One of the things that you should write down to make sure that in sales that you understand is amiables do not like conflict. So you do not want to present options to the amiable. So the expressive, you, you can give me options. The driver, you can give options. And you can ask both of those personalities which one of those options makes the most sense for you. Based on what you've told me, what do you think? The driver is going to have an answer. The expressive will most likely have an answer. The analytical and the amiable, we don't want to give that question. While we want to do comparisons for the analytical, we want to be able to say, based on what you told me from your customer assessment, what we filled out together, and you know the engineering uh, application work in your house, this option is in your best interest. If you do that with the analytical and the amiable, what you're doing is you're, you're keeping them away from conflict. Now, they may have some questions, 
You need to answer those questions, but you have to back up why you came to the conclusion that you did. So you've heard me say before, don't make the decision for the client. What I'm saying is don't make the decision for the client about what they can buy. When we get down to the options, and so you're, you're an optimum or you're a premium, and those are the two that basically the consumer has said are, that I'm interested in, you do at that point make a recommendation. That is not excluding items from the list. What we're doing is we're saying, based on what you told me, this one makes the most sense. You do not want to do that for the expressive or the driver. You want to let us make the decision. We need to be in charge. We need to feel like we're in control. With the amiable and the analytical, you don't want that set of options to be hanging out there. You will create a problem. You will create conflict for the amiable, and you will create information gridlock for the analytical. So in neither case do we create options and let them choose. We have options that we discuss, and we create a recommendation with the analytical, or excuse me, with the driver and with the expressive. We will create options, and we make sure we let them choose so that they feel like they're in control. And in those situations, they're going to like you. Their, their whole point of view is, I really liked doing business with them. They educated me. They gave me the options. I made my decision. I'm happy about that. So one of the things that we want to think about in, uh, in the discussions uh, is, how do we use the social styles as it relates to building our presentation manual? So what I would suggest is very simple, is that you look at each one of these quadrants and you analyze how your company's product and uh, value proposition supports itself. Meaning that uh, I have five positions inside of my price book. So um, some companies might have six, some companies might have three, you know, best, better, good. There isn't a right or a wrong answer on that. But the example that I gave you then is to put together some comparisons and contrast forms where you can deal with that, to create a consumer specification. So we're going to break down in detail each one of the sections of the uh, credibility manual so that you understand what goes in that populates the book and the material and what goes into the discussion on how you might use the discussions around the social styles. It's just really important that you get tested and that you understand where you are and you create a self-awareness for yourself. Again, I've been tested multiple times. I'm an expressive expressive, so I'm down here with this red dot. I already know what my problem spots are. My problem spots are all those X's that are on that board right there. And so, you know, if you, if you think about what's going on in life, um, you know, so I married a girl that's over here, and so that was an X for me, obviously, over time. We've figured out how to get along because in order to get along, you need to respect the other person's differences than yours and so forth. And then my business partner sits in here, and so you know we're more alike than not. I have another business partner in a different company. Um, he, uh, he is actually an analytical, amiable. He sits in here, and so you can see that's an X that's not like me, and we get along famously. But one of the things that we both understand is he understands where I live, I understand where he lives, and we're different, and we respect that. So we work together to get along based on the idea that it takes a little energy and it takes some patience for me to be uh, relaxed, to go a little slower with him, but he also recognizes that he needs to go a little faster with me, so it works. So, uh, as always, we love the fact that you all are part of the EGI family, and so this, this is an advanced selling concept. So, can you be successful without social styles? Yes. 
Can you be more successful understanding social styles? Yes. Do you need to learn how to flex? Yes. Role play, videotape, practice. Use the social styles that are not like you. That's how you will learn. Now, as usual, that's some awesome content from Gary right there. If you're interested in learning more about this topic, I want to encourage you to sign up for a 30-day free trial by clicking join at the top of this page. This is just a small piece of the process, and you need the whole thing to make it all work. We have a lot more content from Gary on sales, including reviewing the in-home survey, presenting options to homeowners, uh, investment agreements, load calculations, and much, much more. So sign up for a free trial today and try it out for yourself absolutely free. Well, folks, that's our show this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you soon next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.